a broader relationship between road safety and sustainability and air quality and congestion. All of these things are starting to pull us in the same direction now, which I find very interesting from a public policy perspective. Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Juan Montero. I'm part-time professor in the Florence School of Regulation Transport Chapter in the European University Institute based in, uh, in Florence in Italy. Um, today, we are going to have a conversation with uh, Matthew Baldwin, Deputy Director General in uh, DG Move, that is the uh, Director General of uh, Transport and Mobility Issues in the European Commission. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Juan. How are you today? I'm very fine, very fine. I'm very interested in having this um, conversation on this very interesting topic. Today, we are going to have this conversation on speed and speed management in road safety. Pleased to join you. This is um, um, the conversation will be based on a seminar we had in early October uh, 2020. In uh, this time was not in Florence because of the COVID. We had it online. Sad. And um, first, I would like to raise this 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 point. Um, we had over the years, Matthew, a lot of uh, conversation about transport and mobility policies, very different transport modes, railways, aviation. But I have to say that I noticed this time a personal interest in this topic of speed and, uh, and uh, road safety policy. Uh, I would like to know, I mean, what, 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 was your, uh, what is your interest, your very particular interest in this topic? What's my hidden agenda? Yeah, I get you. Um, look, uh, great to join you today, Juan, and a big thanks to everyone at the Florence School of Regulation Transport Chapter for everything you've done and are still doing uh, with us on the field of transport. Um, and uh, I have to say, like you, I kind of wish we'd been in Florence um, and doing it virtually. You didn't see our side of the virtual, uh, Juan. We did it in the Borchette building in Brussels, which is not, not even close to the European University Institute in Florence. But anyway, um, so my, my personal interest in this topic, well, I came back to road safety after a 30-year absence, which uh, shows you how old I am. Um, and I came back to it uh, in uh, in 2016, um, and everyone kept saying to me, "There's a there's a topic here which you know what we sort of neglected collectively, and that's speed and speed management." And I looked at some of the data, and it's really quite striking. Um, the European tra- the European Transport Safety Council estimate that 2,100 lives could be saved each year. If the average speed dropped by just one kilometer per hour on all roads across the EU. And if you think about how we drive, and then I got to thinking about the way I drove, drove, I stress, you know, we all speed routinely on a daily basis. Um, and I'd say we speed what I call opportunistically. In other words, you know, we're sensible grown adults and mature, sensible people. But if, you know the roads open and 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 the start, the weather's good and you know I'm a good driver and my car's in good condition and you know I'm gonna yeah I don't want to be late yeah I'm gonna speed a little bit that's the sort of attitude that people have I, I I stress for me past I mean sometimes I can still get caught out but I try not to do this anymore um, and I and I still got to thinking you know we don't have that same attitude in relation to drink driving for example where 20 years ago maybe Maybe I'm wrong, Juan, but I'm willing to get to guess. You know, 20 years ago, you or I would have the question about whether we drink and drive is, are we going to get caught? Um, rather than should we do it? And I think these days, 
most people would say it's socially unacceptable to drink and drive. I don't think we've got there with speed yet. It's a criminal offense, but uh, people do it. And then they pay the fine and they go, damn speed cameras. So it's very interesting. We have something which we know in road safety is incredibly costly in terms of lives just in the European Union. And all the evidence is it's the same internationally. But we haven't really kind of grasped it and stopped it. And therefore, this seminar, which we'll come on to, you know, we got together all these great experts and um, it's really a privilege to, to have them and, and to listen to them, um, explaining to us just how significant speed is uh, in, in a factor in causing our 23,000 deaths a year in the European Union and the 1.35 million deaths there are globally. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my not very well hidden agenda, just to kind of, to use your excellent, um, your good offices, as they say, to bring together, I think, a really impressive group of people um, and, and, and try to thrash out where we are in terms of the numbers, the causality, and what we might try to do at the European level. Yeah, we organized these events in Florence where we put together um, an interesting group of people. And this time we definitely had this really amazing group of experts and academics from uh, Europe, but also all over the world that brought the most interesting experiences. Uh, yeah, we had people, I mean, of course, we had academics that have focus on speed, but we also had people from the industry, from uh, associations. Uh, yeah, I think it was a very good group of people to discuss about this issue. Wasn't it great? I'm glad you, I'm glad you appreciate them. I, I, over the last few years, I really started working closely with a number of them. And I mean, you know, it was it was also great because we had, you know, general, uh, real genuine uh, transport experts like yourself who who covered the field in all sorts of different areas. And then we had some very narrow people, a real specialists in road safety and even specialists in speed. It was terrific. Yeah, we had NGOs, we had different organisations like the OECD, um, we had the vehicle manufacturers, we had uh, uh, the European Transport Safety Council. Academics from, I didn't count about five, six countries. It was great. Thoroughly enjoyable experience, if only it had been in Florence one. We were very lucky uh, because uh, we convinced all these interesting people, really real experts, to produce a small document. And they, we, got, we convinced even the academics to produce a very short and focused document. Large group of people producing a very short number of pages, exactly on the topic that they are more of an expert. And, and really, that document for me, it, it, it was really a great learning experience that also a little bit like in your case, changed my personal perspective. And then I realized it's not personal at all. <laughs> it's pretty much everyone's approach to speed. So it was kind of like basically we all think we at least a little bit better than the average. Then that allows us to speed up a little bit more than what is allowed or in the um, or the signal. And we just think that that's, that's perfectly fine. And I went through the paper and I saw all this research, this statistics showing, well, well, of course, not everyone drives better than the average. And yes, just speeding a little bit more has a huge impact in terms of uh, safety. And, uh, and then accidents tend to take place in a small number of roads, and, and it's rural, and uh, for me, it changed my perspective about the speed. I mean, 
this sounds like one of those religious uh, conversion uh, therapy session. You know, first of all, you confess that academics can be short, and secondly, you confess that uh, you 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 had your mind changed by it. No, seriously, it, speeding feels like a victimless crime, but we know there are very very many victims. That's the really interesting thing about it. And then, I mean, in, in this paper and during seminar, we learn about all these experiences in uh, very interesting experiences in different European countries around speed from from uh, Sweden, the Netherlands, but we also have people from uh, Australia. Uh, I mean, these experiences are very interesting. Uh, definitely, I learned a lot. Uh, but in terms of European Union policy, I mean, uh, how, how do we move from, from these national experiences to uh, some action to be taken uh, at the European Union level? Well, yeah, just before we come on to that, I mean, you mentioned the fact we had academics more across the world. For the first time, I think we're now taking this issue seriously globally. And maybe I could just say a word about that because the backdrop to our seminar was earlier this year in Stockholm. We had the every five years, we have a big UN conference on road safety. And this one was held in Stockholm, the third global ministerial conference. Um, and one of its uh, principal outcomes was a declaration inter alia calling for a strong focus on speed management. Indeed, it it referenced the, the importance of law enforcement, the specific importance of 30 kilometer per hour speed zones, maximum speeds in cities to protect uh, what we call vulnerable road users and so on. And then we had the endorsement by the UN General Assembly of this declaration in August, calling for an action plan to lead us toward the second UN decade of action for road safety. And again, a lot of the stakeholders um, uh, reiterating the need to make speed management a big factor in any new action plan. So before we even think about doing anything at the European level, we got this global uh, backdrop, uh, a sort of sense of the, of, the, of the global road safety community taking speed seriously, really for the first time. It's never been a pillar, as we call them, of road safety at the international level before. So, so then, the, then the European question, what can we do? And one of the things we discussed in the seminar, Juan, which I think was pretty interesting, was that in most areas, this is not a European competence. And sorry to your listeners who don't necessarily know what a competence is, but in a sense, it has a legal basis for tackling it. And if you think about it, in Spain, where you are now, the speed limits are set nationally, and sometimes even in cities, you know, Madrid or, or elsewhere. And so what the hell is the European Union's role in jumping into that question? And that was a really interesting part of the discussion, I thought. Um, and when we broke it up a bit, it's clear that there is a European competence, for example, on vehicle safety, where we have had in the last 20, 30 years successive upgrades of the rules, which essentially for single market reasons apply to the construction of vehicles. And we're starting now to get into devices, um, speed management devices, intelligent speed assistance in cars, and they will be mandatory in all new models from 2022 and mandatory in all cars from 2024. So, you know, your car, when you're driving along in Spain, will slow itself, will read the speed limit digitally or visually, and will slow itself. And then you can push through and go faster if you wish, but it will, it will be, you know, the, we're using technology in cars to do that. That is now European competence, um, to give you just uh, uh, one example. Um, to give you another example, enforcement, clearly it's up to member states how they enforce their own speed limits, right? Well, 
we've had a, a cross-border enforcement directive since 2016, which sets up a system to allow member states to identify and share information on, on vehicle owners who've committed road traffic offenses abroad. So if Juan on his holidays leaves Spain and he drives rocket speed across France, thinking he's not going to have to pay the speeding tickets. And because of the cross-border enforcement directive, Actually, happened two years ago. <laughs> and there you go, you see, true confessions. That's the third confession, ladies and gentlemen, Juan has already made in this podcast. And you're not, you're not alone. So, you know, the idea is to, to prevent that kind of thing happening. Just because, you know, we're a European economy. And, and guess what? We take holidays in other countries. And it's kind of crazy that because um, there's no cross-border exchange of information that you can get away with speeding in France when you're resident in Spain. So things like this we're doing. Um, and, and I guess the last thing is, it goes back to the international dimension. We've committed at the European Union to a 50% reduction in deaths and serious injuries by 2030. Uh, to do that, we have, for the first time, going to try to implement what's called the SAFE system, which is a systematic approach to road safety, and it includes in that speed. And so, again, as part of that, again, we're now asking member states to gather data on lots of different areas of road safety, and one of them is on speed, asking them to measure how many vehicles are exceeding the speed limit. And we're trying to find common ways of, 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 of doing that. Um, and... So these are these are all areas where we're starting to come more into into the into the question. We were also discussing in the seminar about the green deal and the uh, and the impact of course transport uh, road transport is, is one of the largest contributors to uh, emissions and uh, road transport in cities that that's also a big issue and and, and that's of course relevant for the European Union. Um, so that's maybe another angle uh, that was definitely in the seminar that was the founded interest connection. No, I agree with you, Juan, very much. Um, it's really coming out. Um, in other words, we're starting to look at speed to come back to this topic for other reasons than just road safety. In the Netherlands now, they have a 100 kilometer per hour speed limit on the motorways, which is for air quality reasons. In fact, it only applies during the day times because they're trying to manage their quality during the day and in the evenings you can go i think it's 120 on these stretches of road so another reason to to tackle it and of course we we know that if people drive more slowly certainly on motorways um we save a lot of uh, fuel and, and there's a direct correlation between fuel and co2 emissions for example and and this takes us to one of the many great areas of transport economics we talked about with the Foreign School of Regulation Transport chapter on many occasions, the external costs and uh, how we can internalize the external costs. And, and the fact is right now there are not, there is not sufficient internalization of, the, of those costs, which is one of the reasons why 25% of the emissions that we face are from transport, 20% of them are from road transport alone and all the different sectors in the economy, it's only one that's growing. And I think this this lack of ability to tackle it is one of the reasons. So you're quite right. The broader relationship between road safety and sustainability and air quality and congestion, all of these things uh, are starting to pull us in the same direction now, which I find very interesting from a public policy perspective. So, yeah, I mean, of course, it was a very interesting debate, but uh, it was not only an academic exercise. I mean, this, this was more uh, practically oriented. So in terms of conclusions, next steps. What's next? <laughs> well, I mean, what can we do in the future? That's the, That was the big question, and that's why I think we had some of the most passionate debates. Yeah, well, one of the most um, exciting things about this uh, seminar, Juan, is that we've come out with some very clear conclusions. 
And I'm pleased. I didn't know what we get coming out, coming going into the seminar. We had this great input paper with, uh, as you said, some really interesting, uh, detailed analysis. And I'm glad it changed your life. I mean, I found it fascinating. Learned a lot reading it myself. But we also then discussed in the seminar whether or not we try to come with some sort of conclusions, which of course don't bind anybody. But I'm very excited by the key conclusion that we uh, arrived at, which is that uh, it would be it was agreed that there should be further guidance from the EU level on on speed. For example, a recommendation which has already been used successfully uh, inside the European Union on blood alcohol levels. How does it work on blood alcohol? Well, we simply have put out a rec- in legislative terms, it's not a directive and it's not a, a regulation. It's simply a recommendation that all member states should have a legal limit of 0.5 milligrams per milliliter of blood um, uh, with some other recommendations linked to young drivers and professional drivers. And actually, that's now followed across the EU by all 27 member states. So I don't know what we will do with this recommendation from the, sorry, from, with this conclusion of the seminar uh, and what sort of the, the European Commission will do with this. And I, I stress I'm not speaking here for the European Commission. It'll be a political decision what to, what to do. But there was, as I say, this, this clear uh, conclusion that there should be further guidance from the EU level on speed, for example, a recommendation uh, on, on, on speed uh, and speed management, which is pretty interesting, I think. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much also for this conversation, but also overall for the opportunity to have this seminar, because this is a very good example of the kind of uh, events we do in, in Florence. In the Florence School of Regulation, we try to do um, policy events, bringing together academics, but also policy issues. It's not only about getting uh, professors together, but have a real impact in terms of, of policy. And I think this seminar was one of the best examples of how uh, research can have an impact on policy and how uh, policy looks at what researchers are doing. So. Uh, Thank you very much again for the seminar and for the conversation. <laughs> Thanks for all mine, Juan. You know, we, we joke in, we, so we say in the European Union, we try to do evidence-based policy, and sometimes it feels like we're doing policy-based evidence. But in the, in the Florence School, we get together, exactly as you put it, um, the best academics with policymakers from national, European, and other levels. And I think both sides learn from each other. It's a practical discussion. And that's why we love working with you. And thank you very much both for the seminar and for this great talk today. Thank you. Um, Have a nice day. You all.